Welcome to The Real Housewives of Riverdale, the podcast where grown-ass adults take sexy teen murder mysteries just as seriously as you do. I'm your host, Cherie, and today we are discussing Season 1, Episode 12, Chapter 12, Anatomy of a Murder. That never gets easier. (laughs) I still, like, stumble over that. Um, There is a 1959 Jimmy Stewart movie titled Anatomy of a Murder that is about, like, a murder trial where the defendant claims temporary and see while... While um, killing a man who raped his wife. And that sounds thrilling. And I cannot believe it has not crossed my path sooner. But that being said, not a lot of trial action going on in this episode. And the insanity is not temporary. Everyone in this town is totes cray all day or day. Alright, so we start this episode where Chapter 11 left off at Pops after the homecoming dance. F.P. Jones has been arrested for Jason Blossom's murder, but Archie and Veronica are so sure that the murder weapon was planted in his trailer. So Archie, Veronica, and Betty are at a total loss of what to do for F.P., so they finally turn to their parents. It it took them 11 episodes to figure out that their parents might know some shit that they don't. And I really love this scene with all the parents being just aghast at what their children have done. And Alice is just scheming through it. Her ass is just like, well, I just can't believe you did it. And they're like, you told us to. And she's like, well, okay. So anyway, I just love it. Devastated by his dad's arrest, Jughead mysteriously does not have a cell phone anymore. So it's a good thing that Riverdale exists in all decades at the same time so there's still a payphone at the bus station for him to call his mom and he tells her that he's coming to visit but we can tell by Cole Sprouse's sweeps week reaction that um she turns him down it's it's really sad he really does do some amazing work there as you know considering like he's just talking on the phone to no one you know in reality like that was really good acting so way to go Cole And I don't know what his mom's story is. Like, maybe she's keeping him safe by not inviting him to, like, into a dangerous situation. But until we know that for sure, I just want to say, what a bitch. Who doesn't let their kid come visit her? I mean, she already, like, took Jellybean and moved away because FP was such a hot mess and left Jughead there to, like, deal with it. I mean... (laughs) His dad was bad enough that he had to be homeless because she took off. And now he can't even visit? Like, I really hope they they lay into that story because we, we need that. We need the lowdown on what happened there. He So Jughead exchanges his Toledo ticket for whatever bus is leaving next. And then he has to leave the bus station because of their strict no loitering policy. No, nobody's there. Betty and Archie decide that they need to find their third musketeer, so they sneak out of their houses with flashlights. And it's not until Veronica calls Archie from her fainting sofa in the silkiest pajamas that literally no teenager has that they realize if he isn't home, he's probably at Pops. So there they find Juggy drinking a very depressing last cup of coffee. 
when Betty, Archie, and Veronica find him to apologize and emphatically persuade him that they know FP is innocent thanks to their trespassing. So our favorite group of high school sophomores take off to the sheriff's station to tell law enforcement that they have the wrong man, as if that's gonna work. But Sheriff Keller's just like, oh yeah? Then why the fuck did he just confess, huh? Fucking kids. So we see FP's interrogation, and we watch him explain to Sheriff Keller that Jason had approached him that summer in need of cash and a getaway car. In exchange, he'd make a delivery, quote-unquote, which is the weed that Betty and Jug had found stashed in the trunk of the car that they discovered in the woods that he then burnt down. You know, you remember that whole spiel. But when FP realized that the kid was Jason Blossom, he saw an opportunity. So FP says that he grabbed Jason after Cheryl helped him across Sweetwater River. He tied him up in the basement of the White Worm and then informed Mr. Blossom that Basin, that Jason was being held for ransom. When Jason tries to escape, FP tells the sheriff, that's when I killed him. And how the audience knows that all of this is bullshit is because he also cops to stealing Sheriff Keller's files and his murder board, which we know Hal Cooper did. So who is FP protecting and why? Why lie about it? We'll get to that in a bit. So with this break in Jason's case, the Blossoms seem thrilled, or at least as thrilled as they can be with a deceased child. But Cheryl and Polly don't feel relieved. Polly, for her part, all but says straight to Clifford, wait, how did FP kill him when you, like, totally killed him? <laughs> it's, it's pretty bad. <laughs> At lunch the next school day, Jughead surprises everyone and shows, um, he shows up to school. He tries to apologize to Cheryl, but she stands up and just starts smacking every inch of his body. And, of course, Weatherby condemns Jughead and tells, um, he later calls Fred and tells him that Jughead should spend the rest of the school year at home or you know off campus for his own safety which then leads to a huge fight between Archie and Fred that Jughead overhears. Archie wants to march on Washington to prove that Fred is innocent or that, to prove that FP is innocent gosh my notes just have F and that usually that stands for Fred so but no FP is innocent and everyone just needs to lay the F off his best friend because Jughead had nothing to do with it. But Fred is actually a good dad. And even though, you know, it's not what's best for Jughead, he's really thinking about what's best for his son, what's best for Archie. And he's really worried that whatever bad juju follows the Joneses around will rub off on Archie. So it's just, it's heartbreaking because poor Juggy hears all of this and decides to sleep in the garage instead of Archie's room because everything is just like really tense right now. Betty and Alice, who, Alice who has kept Grundy's revolver, by the way, they're awakened by the sound of Hal rummaging downstairs. He's come to destroy those files that he stole from Sheriff Keller and with them, any possible link between the Coopers and the murder because dun, 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 we find out in the scene that the Coopers are actually Blossoms. Hmm. Hal's grandfather wasn't just murdered by a Blossom, he was a Blossom. When one brother killed the other, their branch of the family willfully severed itself and took the name Cooper. This means that Jason and Polly were blood-related. 
fun fact that will relate to the end of the episode, the name Cooper means barrel maker. So just ponder on that for a little bit. So Alice, Betty, and Hal just immediately get up from the dining room table and head to Thornhill and their jammy jams in the middle of the night. And even though Hal has known this information for like ever, it only occurs to him to care about his daughter's safety tonight. So like what, what took you so long? If, if she's been in danger for this long, why didn't you say some, say something? Gosh. But anyway, so they burst in the front door of Thornhill and demand that Polly return home with them. And when Alice accuses the Blossoms of killing their son to cover up the incest, Penelope defends their innocence with the grossest response ever. Nothing could be more purely Blossom than those babies. So gross. And Clifford is like, well, I mean, it's not like they're brother and sister. I mean, what are they, third cousins? Yeah, that's still pretty fucking disgusting. (laughs) Like... I know my third cousins. I'm not trying to make babies with them. <laughs> that is super gross. Ugh. Also, it appears that um, Clifford Blossom sleeps in his sleeps with his wig on. So, hmm. What's uh What's that whole room for if he's not going to take it off? Anyway, so Molly Ringwald, attorney at law, lays some legal jargon on Archie and Jughead over at over breakfast at Pops. Really not her best performance. So I don't think this is a spoiler at all, but in season two, we get a few Molly Ringwald scenes that are just fucking phenomenal. Like she really brings her a game, but in season one, it definitely feels like this is just a job. She was just here for a cameo for nostalgia's sake. And she's just reading lines back to them and making like big eyes. But so if you find it like off putting or if it, takes you out of it at all just know that it it gets better mary andrews gets better so anyway she suggests that jughead go visit his dad because after fp is arraigned it might be a while before he gets to visit again so extra emo jughead just he goes to the jail and he just lays into his dad because his heart Jughead's poor heart is just absolutely broken over the fantasy he had of having a normal family. And it, it's just been smashed to pieces, the poor kid. FP coldly says through the bars, never come back here, Jughead. And then they look at each other for like 10, 15 seconds and have this weird exchange as if Jughead has like heard that before and knows some piece of information that we, the audience, didn't get because we're not telepathic. And it's, it's very weird. Um, but he understands what, what FP meant by that. We also learn in this scene that FP used his one phone call to contact Joaquin, his second man hand, his, his second man hand. Oh my gosh, his second hand man (laughs) and Kevin's boyfriend. So this leads the Scooby gang to shake Joaquin down. So he eventually reveals that late in the middle of the night on July 11th, he was summoned by FP for a quote-unquote cleanup job in the Worms off-limit basement. There he saw the dead body of Jason Blossom, and he helped FP stash the corpse in a freezer, which was the most disgusting scene to watch. Joaquin didn't explicitly ask FP if he was the one who killed Jason, but that's what he assumes, based on what he walked into. And then, so 
some more information comes up. They talk about um, another serpent who was their Mustang, who you might remember was the one that kicked your ass, Archie. <laughs> so against against Joaquin's better judgment, he leads the gang to a sketchy motel room to see a fellow serpent, which is Mustang. When um when they get there though, turns out Mustang is super dead. <laughs> having he's having overdosed on what we assume is heroin in his bathtub. And okay, so like I just have to say something here. I've led a pretty sheltered life, so I just need someone to answer for me. How come when people OD on heroin on TV, they're always in the bathtub? What is that? Like, is that like a safety thing? Does it just like feel better because it's cool? Like, I don't, I don't understand because I've like never done heroin. And I do have a friend who's in recovery and I'm like, I'm sure I could ask her, but that's a super weird question to ask somebody who's like, you know, a recovering opiate addict. So I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to ask her, but if anybody else knows, just, you know, tweet me. I want to know what that's about. So, <laughs> okay. So Mustang has OD'd. He is dead, dead, dead. Joaquin and Kevin take off because Joaquin is like super freaked that he would somehow be implicated and so they they peace out. Later the sheriff comes to investigate and super pissed off Hermione and Fred show up to collect their kids. Yeah, they should be. <laughs> Why the fuck are these children at the scene of an overdose? Ugh. And and Mustang's apartment, hotel room, whatever it was, was god awful. Like there's just trash everywhere you can see a bong and it like you just know that it stinks like you can't smell your tv but you can tell from that scene that it just fucking reeks in there so anyway the cops find a bag stuffed with cash under mustang's bed and this is the bag <laughs> the one that we saw from episode two ish maybe not maybe it was one i don't know, i think it was episode two that it bears hermione lodge's initials according to Sheriff Keller. And Veronica is all like, those are also my dad's initials. And did you know that he was doing business with the serpents? Did you know that he's like a super criminal? And those are his same initials. <laughs> Hermione is like, shut the fuck up. We're going to talk to our lawyer. Girl, shut your damn mouth. Cut to Fred giving Archie the talking to that he needs. All I care about is protecting you. That is my job. Honestly, it's the same conversation that I have with my three-year-old every day when she, like, wants to pretend the couch is a bounce house. And I'm just, like, some major buzzkill trying to harsh her vibe. Like, no, you can't do that. You've already landed on your head once doing that. Please stop. You are literally covered in bruises from your clumsiness. It is my job to keep you safe. Chill the fuck out. Please go play with Barbies or Play-Doh or something. Go be a normal ass kid and stop trying to kill yourself. So Kevin puts Joaquin on a bus out of town for headed for San Junipero, which apparently is a Black Mirror reference, but I haven't got there on my Netflix queue, but that's what the internet has told me. So Kevin and Joaquin share a very passionate kiss before we say goodbye. And, like, I hate to see Joaquin go. I just love Rob Rocco and those those dazzling eyes. Mwah. So, meanwhile, at Thornhill, Cheryl takes her patented creepy tone 
walks into the sitting room and says to Penelope, Mommy, what were Daddy and Jason fighting about? Were they fighting about the family business? Was Jason unable to handle the responsibilities of the fast-paced maple syrup biz? Was it Daddy? Was it you? And that, that was a trigger for Penelope. So she drags Cheryl into the barn, like literally drags her. Like I was worried that Penelope Pitch would have bruises on her arms. Um, she's just super pissed that Cheryl would have the audacity to ponder if Sheer Clifford had any involvement in Jason's death. Girl, you need to take a look at here and marry too. Sorry, I just like barely touched her a seat and it sounded like... I crunched a bag of chips in your ears, so I'm sorry, guys. Um, but she throws open the barn door, shoves Cheryl inside, and says, There's the sticky, dark, dirty truth. Drown in it, why don't you? See? A little, a little melodramatic, maybe? So, <laughs> um, but anyway, it's just barrels upon barrels of what we believe are maple syrup. Hmm. Presumably, it's what Penelope believes, too. I don't know. On a tip from Joaquin, Betty, Veronica, and Kevin searched the woods with flashlights to find a sack hidden near where Jason and Polly's getaway car was found. Inside it is Jason's varsity jacket. You'll recall that FP told Joaquin that this jacket was their insurance policy in case the cops came a-knocking. The gang takes it back to Archie's garage for further investigation, instead of, like, you know, turning it over to the cops because it's evidence. <laughs> Betty makes Archie wear the poor dead boy's jacket, which is awkward for everyone, until Betty discovers that there's a huge hole in the pocket. And was anybody else just, like, really uncomfortable while she was, like, frisking Archie wearing that jacket? It was not cool. Uh, I was like, um, can you, like, not rub him down, please? <laughs> it's just, can you just have him, like, check the pockets? I don't think you need to get all up in there, but... Anyway, she discovers a huge hole in the pocket, and a USB drive is tucked into the jacket's lining, just like when she loses her chapstick or Veronica loses her Mont Blanc. We get it. You're rich. Calm down, girl. Kevin is the best, and he says, Nancy Drew strikes again, just after giving her shit for like continuing to look. Gosh dang it. I cannot balance all this stuff. Okay. I think I have my life back together. So the kids plug the the USB into a laptop and they're just utterly aghast at what they see on screen, giving us one of the most used Riverdale gifts that <gasps> catch a reaction on all their faces. And oh, it's it's just the best. I just love it. So Betty calls up Cheryl and tells her to get out of the house. And Cheryl sitting on the edge of her bed fully dressed for what would be like an epic party or a club opening, not just like hanging out at home. But she looks straight into the camera and shoots tears out of her eyes. Like she has just tiny water guns hidden in her tear ducts. <laughs> it's the craziest shit. And it's awesome. So then she just stilettos on down to the dining room where her parents are eating dinner without her or Nana Rose. Rude. And she, she stands by Penelope waiting to be addressed because in that house you know women are supposed to be like spoken to you know they're not allowed to speak so she waits until Clifford asks what and she says you did a bad thing daddy and now everyone knows 
I got chills, like actual chills the first time I saw that. Oh, I love it. So the next scene, Alice Cooper hauls ass to the sheriff's office to turn the USB drive over to Sheriff Keller and Mayor McCoy, who at first want none of her shenanigans. They're like, this bitch, no. But man, oh man, shut up, tertiary characters. Alice is here to deliver. So this is when we, the audience, finally gets to see what's on the USB. It's security footage from the basement of the White Worm, and Jason's tied to a chair. Mustang comes in and taunts him for a while before none other than Clifford Blossom appears. He yoinks Nana Blossom's engagement ring from Jason's pocket, and then Clifford, middle initial unknown, but probably L for Lucifer, Blossom lifts a pistol and shoots his own son in the forehead. It's cold. So why did FP confess? Because Clifford Blossom came to see him the night that FP was arrested and threatened to kill Jughead if he didn't take responsibility for the murder of Jason. We also learned that Hiram Lodge is officially being released from prison and Mary Andrews, that is Molly Ringwald, is heading back to Chicago, presumably to resume her life as a John Hughes character because all of those movies take place in a Chicago suburb, like all of them. Um, except for maybe uh, Home Alone 2, because it has to be in New York. <laughs> but I don't even know. If, like, Home Alone was a John Hughes movie, but I'm not sure if 2 was. Probably. I would think so. Anyway, Riverdale, right? So, when the cops drive up to Thornhill, Cheryl and Penelope point numbly toward the barn. Hmm. That's, a, that's some weird shit that they do. Inside, when they open the door, Clifford Blossom is hanging from a noose. And a barrel that I guess he was standing on and then kicked over once he, like, hanged himself. It's been knocked over, spilling plastic bags, a mysterious brown material that, because we've watched TV before, we know that it's heroin. Riverdale. I don't think I did uh, the first title card. Oh, well. I don't know. It was in there somewhere, you guys. So, for the most Archie Comics moment, I am at a total loss on this one. I mean, like, I don't know if Betty was, like, a real Nancy Drew type in the comics. If so, then that's definitely it. But, like, I got nothing. I think the biggest and only tie-in this episode is just that, like, the comics in the show have people with the same names. (laughs) Best Blossom Burn. I think the biggest burn was telling someone... You know that whole family I've groomed you to hate? Well, guess what? You're part of that family, too. And, and it now counts as a Blossom firm because we know officially that Hal was a Blossom. So that's cool, I guess. For Good Bad Bunnies, um, the good... This episode was nuts. Lots of excitement. But I think my absolute favorite part is just how uncomfortable they made the motel scene. Like, being this kind of show like a teen show and you know it's very high school driven very like glee-esque with all the musical stuff they could have given all of that information just via dialogue um or candy coated it but they really went there which I think was good filmmaking and makes it a more intriguing show like that that's the kind of stuff that makes it more than just another teen show on the CW like it's gritty and raw and I like that the bad um in this episode and the next 
this, and it's not a spoiler, there are just so many fast-moving parts that most scenes, and with our characters all looking at each other, and they're just quickly getting up and walking away. Like, it's, it's very high school play, like, and scene, and everybody just gets up and leaves. A lot of times, it, like, it really feels like the fourth wall is broken because the actors' faces fall, and, like, as they're turning away, so it's like, okay, I'm no longer Betty, I'm now Lily Reinhardt, and I'm just walking off set so I can get to my next scene, not like I'm hurrying out the door to save my sister, so... And it's not just her. I'm, I'm not picking on her. It's like all of them. For my funny this week, it's, of course, it has to go to Kevin's Nancy Drew strikes again. <laughs> just after downing her and telling her to slow her roll. And this isn't like a very funny episode. There aren't, you know, like solid burns or like, you know, big problems. It's just Kevin, Kevin, we can trust to always have like a good little quip. For changes, I mean, I would have kept Joaquin. Like, I understand you can't always keep an actor in that commitment. And we don't want to see Joaquin punished because we love him, but he did clean up a murder scene without alerting the police. So he deserves justice, really. And I just love Rob Rocco's eyes, and I never want to stop looking at them on my TV. Mm, so pretty. For theories... Uh, well, there's not much to theorize on anymore, kiddos. Like, we know who shot Jason Blossom. We know the real hustle behind the maple syrup game. And we know why Hal stole the files. We know why FP confessed. I think, like, the only question we possibly have is what the hell could possibly be in the season finale if this is the penultimate episode. So, I don't know. Um, for Sabrina news, uh, since... Mustang got to appear a lot in this. I'm going to um, go with this little piece of, of news that I learned this weekend um, from an Instagram account at TCA of Sabrina. Um, I believe that's how it's spelled. It's TCA of Sabrina. Yes, th that's her Instagram account. Um, she posted that Christopher Rosmond, who is the guy who plays Mustang on Riverdale, was just cast as Mr. Kinkle. Um, Harvey's dad on Sabrina. So we should see him at least in a couple of episodes. That's pretty cool. For Skeet's dadgram corner, um, this was a while ago, but on April 19th, Cole Sprouse posted a picture from a Vogue shoot he did, and he and a female model, I guess, I don't know, um, they're standing in the ocean as a wave crashes around them, and it's like, it's very reminiscent to me of the beginning of the movie Grease. <laughs> um, but anyway, Skeet's comment was, how did you not see the wave coming? Shrug emoji, because like, you know, they're not bothered by the wave or whatever. I don't know. Um, it was very lame, which makes it very daddish, and that's why I loved it. It was it was so perfectly skeet. All right, gang, I know this was a short episode, but and there was a lot that happened in this episode. Um, short podcast episode, I mean, there it was a perfectly long Riverdale episode, packed full of stuff. But you know, it all kind of happened so fast that we could just like bust through it. So. And I didn't have a guest this week, so we didn't have any, you know, nobody, like, got me to really talk about stuff. But if you want to talk any more about it, please reach out to me. You can find me at Sharibi, that's the at sign, C-H-E-R-I-E-E 
B-E-E on both Twitter and Instagram. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. That does something to the algorithms to help people find us. So please, even if you just like halfway enjoy this hot mess of a podcast, please take a second to give us a review. Um, A reminder that if you do leave a review, we will read it on the air. So if you want to hear your username, drop us a note. If you don't want me to use your username, that's fine. Um, I, you know, just let me know and I won't. Um, Also, I want to give a shout out before we go to um, Pretty Little Podcasters. They're one of the best uh, Pretty Little Liars podcast, um, of course, you know, in hiatus now that that show has been off the air for almost a year, which makes me want to cry a little bit. But thank you guys for when one of their fans asked if they would cover Riverdale, they gave me a shout out instead of one of the many other more professionally produced Riverdale podcasts. And I super duper appreciate that. Ben, Melissa, Marissa, you guys are great. I love you guys so much. You're probably not listening to this because I don't think you're big Riverdale fans. but (laughs) But if you hear it, just know, like, you have my heart. Anyway, you can you can always tell me how you think we could do better, or if there's something just glaring that I missed in the recap, you can email me at realhousewivesofriverdale at gmail.com. Again, like I said, you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Sharibi. It's mostly pictures of my kid. I'm not going to lie. I'm not super good at posting like topical stuff. I try to tweet every Wednesday when um, there's like a current Riverdale episode on, I try to tweet something um, that ties into the show, but I'm old and I'm not good at it. So <laughs> um, my apologies. All right. Are you ready for this? Are you ready, guys? This is going to be really terrible. Until next time, hang in there. We'll make the wind springtime and jingle jangle same time. Right on to the summer and the fall. So darling, don't be weeping And please don't you be sleeping When I come creeping down the hall